Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. It's lovely and a thrill to be here with you today. I don't know why I always... I've never figured it out and you know what? I'm not going to because it's not a big deal. I have something to talk to you about and it might turn out that you end up hating me and judging me and finding me an absolute miserable piece of humanity. But I feel... There isn't too much action in the world because I read the news. I listen to the news, whatever. I listen to some podcast. And yeah, you know, there are conversations around climate change. There's conversations around this cancel culture, woke culture, disinformation, polarizing um, events that uh, no one ever sees eye to eye. There's truth being manipulated, all these things. It's fine. But I feel it's in a very mediocre, it's a very sort of uh, teenage adolescent phase. Like, uh, like... you know, you, you don't see the glamour, the, the blockbusterish feel to disasters, right? It's it's very eh, low grade in the sense it's it's, it's very amateurish. It's kind of it's it's not that big eighty car pile up on the highway, but it's like one of these hit and runs, these bump and runs, these fender benders. Like with climate change as well, it's not so much change because I think change needs adversity, right? Change needs a big wham moment where it's like, oh, if cli- like climate change is a guy, like, oh shit, his wife, he caught his wife banging someone. It's like, that's also okay. That's that's not as traumatic, right? Maybe he's like, oh shit, like climate got his legs blown off. Like, fuck, his life's never going to be the same. That's change. Or, it's more now climate has... It's got his period, like oh, it's it's more like oh, it's a realization. It's 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 climate phase. It's a new phase in the climate, not change. Change needs to be more glamorous. Needs to be more bang. Needs more fucking balls to it, right? Like, where what happened to the nine point nine earthquakes? What happened to like you know volcanoes erupting, like Pompeii being buried? Um, like what happened to, like the sky following for seven hundred years? It was just an ash cloud, and we need more of that, man, to fucking take things to the next level right now it's more convenient oh you know it's like oh climate seeing a therapist and it's like it's okay it'll be okay you know they they, they were mean to you by emitting fossil fuels and um you got rejected by humans but you know what things will be all right you guys need to work on it they're doing their part at least they seem to be but they're not going to come through so you you have to work on yourself climate you need to come and look from within who you are and what you want to be and what kind of life you want to live you can't wait for these people you can't wait for this partner of yours human beings to kind of do it all for you because they might just leave you and walk away they might go to another place and they will be all alone and you want to have anything to look forward to in life so you need to look after yourself so, I feel that's where climate is right now. It's it's everyone's shouting about it, but nothing major is happening. It's very uh, it's like uh, like a documentary. You need it to be like a crazy movie, right? Which which you'd you definitely watch. Like I feel the movies about climate change are more crazy than climate change itself. Yeah, like what's that one? Deep Impact or I don't know. It, it, it's, I, it, there's a lot of shit happening. Yes, you know, you see wh- whales being stranded. You, you have um, boats capsizing. Crazy stuff, right? Uh, but people, it's more like flooding. Okay, you, you see forest fires, wildfires. But wouldn't you realize that it's change? Like for you in your life, if you if you got rejected from uh, a, a job application or swipe left on t- Tinder... It's not earth-shattering. Maybe it is for most people now. But it's more like, eh, okay. That's kind of where climate change is. It's like, oh, okay. We're emitting shit into the skies. Uh, Plastic. Oh, okay. Yeah, plastic is that relationship with that chick you had for years. And it's a a toxic relationship. You don't want to let go. Uh, She doesn't want you anymore. But she's not willing to let go because she's in a comfortable place. And she just can't be bothered. So she'd rather keep you off balance and keep you un, 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 you keep you unstable. That way she knows that she can get what she wants from you, but at the same time you are insecure. So it's one of those things. But change is when like, you know what, you see your parents walking out on, on, on your family or your parents separating or getting divorced or I don't know, like, you know, you find out like your balls have fallen off. Like that's change. And until something like that happens, we're not going to take change seriously. Uh, I don't know why your balls would fall off, but I'm just giving you an example. These are all metaphoric representations i'm not actually hoping or maybe i am but it's it's like flooding okay yeah the roads are backed up what if a country disappears when you wake up in the morning like oh 
and not even like Vanuatu or something which is already like one inch above the water or the Maldives, but I'm talking about like, or, 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 or you know, like a, a, a city or country which is susceptible to landslides. I'm just saying some place which is just normally sitting there like Washington, D.C. or like something which is in the movies, right? Like Texas or Delhi or, or who knows, like Rio de Janeiro or, or Beijing. Or I'm just, I'm just being, you know, absolutely equal representation. All countries, all continents, or like Turkmenistan, like a country, uh, cities, just... Anything just gets, tomorrow you wake up in the news, there's huge, just nothing there. Crazy, right? Then you would probably be like, what happened there? So I was like, climate change. And you're like, ooh, climate change. Shit, what happened? Well, what happened was, uh, because of the shit we've been doing, um, the oceans decided to say, fuck you, and spill over, and just take back half a continent, overnight. There's no 2025 the climate accord, one degree will lead to this in 2050, just overnight. Uh, in fact, yeah, what happened was a certain number of amphibians came and tied up parts of the country to the ocean. And all the animals got together and said, fuck you, and dragged this country back into the water. Now it doesn't exist. You heard about Atlantis? Yeah, this happened last. That happened like many thousands years. This happened last night. Then climate change is change. It's not climate realization, climate reflection, or climate arguments climate debates it's changed something has finally changed and that's when you start looking at it with a different lens so i feel it's more we need more of that like an earthquake which is so crazy that we start spinning in a different orbit that would be interesting Hmm? or just a part of the earth falls off because it's so heavy or because we've drilled so much that there's absolutely no core left that it just literally falls off could be the north could be the south could be these suddenly you're like the whole shape of the earth looks different. That's change. Now, if you want to talk about change, you come with me. Come to me. What's happening in my English? Come to me with that. And I'll listen to you. Don't give me the shit of like, climate, I can't. One degree, two degree. Like, fuck you. <laughs> uh, okay. Before I get myself in any more trouble with the activists, I need to introduce my guest today. Sarah Hernholm is a former elementary teacher and she's the founder of Whatever It Takes, an organization that helps teens make sense of business and be exposed to ideas and opportunities of how to run a business at a young age. And they're teenagers, tweens and teens. Sarah and I talk about the education system and how it's conditioning kids just to one outcome, which is the university, the job market, and then finally putting them in a place where they have no exposure to uh, ideas like failure, rejection, how to make sense of a business and what actually they want to do with the business. So uh, through Sarah's company, a lot of children are exposed at their teenage level to what it means to be an entrepreneur. And we have a fantastic chat and I really appreciate Sarah being on this podcast. Sarah, if you're listening, thank you. And I'm sure you listening right now will have an extremely fun and interesting listen. So I really appreciate it, as always, you listening to this podcast. And my heart goes out to you with gratitude. And I don't know what else to say, but thank you, my friend. Till the next episode, I hope you enjoyed this one and I have a lot more lined up for you. So let me know what you think about my idea for the blockbuster climate change event. All right, till next episode, take care of yourself. Goodbye, God bless, and take care of yourself. Cheers. Sarah Hearn Holm, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Appreciate you being here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. And I practice before starting recording, but I always mess up when I hit record. I'm sorry about pronouncing your name wrong up top. But um, Not thank the first you. First one. <laughs> thank you, um, Sarah, for joining me. And I'm going to ask you something that's been interesting me about our present society and the present landscape when it comes to young adults, teenagers, and children. Um, could you? Maybe with in context of where we are today with technology, with exposure to information, with the entire dialogue around age and aging and maybe not aging so much. But can you maybe talk about where we are when it comes to looking at childhood and defining what children are anymore? There's a lot of questions. And there are a lot of different topics. Okay, so you mean in, in connection to technology or in connection to... I think to- just with how do we look at children, because at some point we feel like... Uh, and sorry for bombarding you with so many ideas. That's okay. But it's good. I, 
I, I, I'm, I'm confused because when I look at teenagers, at one point they're still 13 or they're still 12 or 14 or whatever the age is. But when you talk to them, they seem like they're almost like these adults who have these opinions, these formed ideas about who they should be and what the world around them should be like. So have we at some point given up too much of our childhood and mm. at the same time not retaining that innocence? Interesting. Uh, well, I think... That's a really good. That's a really good topic. A, a good thing to chat about. I, I think we all felt that way as teenagers. Though, when I look back to being a teenager, I definitely was full of ideas and opinions and things like that. So mm-hmm. I work with teenagers in the work that I do at Wit, whatever it takes. Yeah, and that that's still there, but that was there when I was a teenager. Kind of just this idea, like you think you're older than you really are. You feel mm-hmm. older than you really are. You. Nobody can really tell you that we get annoyed when we're, when we're teenagers and somebody says like, you don't know what it's like in the real world. Cause that's annoying because mm. you are living in the world. And so you think, what do you mean? This is my real world, uh, school friends, the drama and the pain that comes with school friends, um, trying to get good grades, all those different things. So I think opinionated teenagers that's here to stay. And I think it's great. I mean, we like to channel that rebellion and those, strong opinions into entrepreneurship at wit. Uh, so that part I, I don't have an issue with. I think that's, I think that's good and healthy to, to challenge authority a little bit and, mm. and um, have strong opinions and things like that. Where I would agree with you on is, are we giving our young people enough time to be kids, to be children? Mm. And what role does technology play in that? What role does social media play in that? Um, are they growing up quote too quickly because uh, because of those things? And I'll just you know it's going to make me sound old, which but I am. I'm older than the kids. You know, the, obviously the people that I work for and work yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, I would say yes. I mean, I I feel like even in my own peer group, we're saying things like, "I'm so glad we didn't grow up with social media," or "I'm so glad I was able to like." go ride my bike around the neighborhood and like just come home when it was dark. Or I just like, we didn't have cell phones, but we still found each other. You know, we had, we, we'd be out with friends and we wouldn't know we really had missed out on something until Monday morning at school because you couldn't just log on, you know, go onto your phone and have FOMO because you get to see that there's people hanging out without you and then get so sad in that moment. Uh, So that my, my personal preference is that I'm grateful I didn't, grow up with it. It would have been hard for me to um, deal with all the things and the pressures that social media brings, even to me as somebody in my forties. So I don't, I think that's challenging for young people. I think being a child should be um, just like preserved as long as possible in terms of just, uh, I, I, I don't know why our education system stops teaching kids you know, we teach them in elementary school. Uh, we incorporate the arts or we teach with music or we teach in more playful, fun ways. And then all of a sudden they get to middle school or high school and we take away the fun. I don't know why we do that. I think yeah. there's ways to to bring fun into the classroom and um, keep learning interesting and engaging. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the uh, an interesting observation when it comes to learning why does learning change from something that is enjoyable which can become a part of your life which can increase your idea of you know checking the world around you curiosity these kind of things mm-hmm. and then it has to become this quantifiable measurable kind of system of gauging a person's growth when it comes to the the, the teenage and the, the the later years, when it comes to middle, high school, you have to be tested on what you know. You have to kind of show mm-hmm. that this is what I've learned. And as a result, this is kind of how I project that learning. Um, and that the moment that happens, I feel at least for me, many, many years back, um, there was a switch of, oh, you know, it's no longer something that I can use in life when it comes to the point I might need it, but I have to show quick returns, you know, and that automatically mm-hmm. changes the relationship with learning. Mm-hmm. Oh, I totally agree with that. I mean, I wish there's so many things that I wish we would change about the education system. I would love to see more like apprenticeships. I would love to see more um, 
entrepreneurship in education, or at least mm. entrepreneurial entrepreneurial mindset, really encouraged in in the school in the classroom. I would love to see permission for young people to explore a topic um, more deeply and fully. I think a lot of learning can come from that uh, versus just this like you, you learn something and then you memorize it, the, and then for the test, and then you don't remember it later on. So there's nothing about it that's you've gotten this great like immersive experience and i think all of us as adults that's how we like to learn is like to get super in, immersed in something and then deep dive into something and there's no time for a young person to do that they're forced to go from subject to subject to subject quiz 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 test 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 there's yeah and then where's the love of learning and i i think we should be cultivating you know, I think we should be helping create and build with these young people contributing, you know, people that are contributing members of society for sure, right? We want people that go out and know how to contribute to society and sustain themselves and be able to give back and all those things. And also like have a well-rounded knowledge base and not just this like little tiny bits of each little thing where there's like nothing yeah. that's, in, you know, end up. So, um, and I feel the problem there is that we are creating these people whose uh, mission statement, if you want to call it, is giving to society or rather be, being productive members of society. But many of them aren't content as individuals uh, because of they don't know their own value systems because they're all constantly being pressurized to be someone else or be a certain version of a human being that society accepts or needs. And that's just you, you, you can't go on for too long, right? Or you become dejected or you become... Uh, stressed as we see mm -hmm. so it's it's and and that's something you mentioned um when you spoke about your peer group is and that's something i resonate with strongly is i'm glad uh that i didn't have this much exposure to information and networking at my uh in my teenage years or my even my young adult years because the word pressure is so important, right? Because whether it's the education system, the pressure starts building, right? You start becoming this this product that has to go through the system and go. And you go to high school, then uh, which high school, then which university? What did you study there? Mm -hmm. And then when you come out, which job did you get? And then which, how much did that job pay? And 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 where are you at that job? And then if, if you add that now with the pressures of um, uh, social media, I feel it's it's great tools, but it's also a lot of pressure of. Uh, being seen or uh, where did you go on holiday or what skills are you learning because the information is there and now there's no excuse to not use that information so like and that's something I want to ask you like uh, because it kind of ties in sweetly with with what it takes um, maybe that's the second part of this but maybe if you can address what, what we spoke about is the pressure of uh, the, 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 the pressure that comes along with the internet and technology is very hard to digest for a, a mind that is quite uh, is quite what's the word uh, easily influenced right yeah I mean there's always going to be two sides of the coin right I mean mm -hmm. I love that there is this great access to information because how wonderful for a young person to be able to go online and build a website that's yeah about yeah. them and and or even do a skill they can get paid for from yeah. the comfort of their home I mean that's really cool um, so I love that. I also think, gosh, if I was a parent, it'd be pretty, um, I'd be pretty diligent on <laughs> the kind of access I was giving to my, to my kids on what yeah. they could, you know, have search. But there's also, we all did different versions of that in our generations of like getting information that we weren't supposed to really get access to at a younger yeah. age. And and those kinds of things. So every generation has a version of that story. It's just like now it's just a lot of access to things. Mm -hmm. And um, and then this call, then this like request or expectation on a young person to self-regulate, which is so interesting that you give them something that's so addictive, the scrolling of Instagram and social media. And then you say, well, you'd have to learn how to just like regulate yourself in just 30 minutes a day. And like, that's it. And adults can barely do that. I have a time limit on my phone and it's almost like every day it says limit up. Do you want to bypass the limit? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> you know? And so then we're asking 
I know the same thing happened like that. the screen t- the screen time report and yes. mine popped up on Sunday and I'm like that's not me I I wasn't on that iPad for that long and he's just in denial yeah. but you know what right? YouTube after one thumbnail after just clicking like a um god uh, yeah it just it, it keeps and so I think we got to be careful with how judgmental we're going to get with mm-hmm. young people when we all deal with the same that we're dealing with the same thing uh but I do think that there's wonderful benefits for the the access to resources and information for people around the globe that mm. before you were just you just oh my gosh i mean you'd have to it'd be so hard to get access to that type of information and resources and education so i really see the benefits yeah. of it yeah uh, earlier it would be like especially i remember a couple of instances like you, you say you're interested in advertising or something it, it wouldn't be you know the access to some of the best you know, information from some of like the stalwarts in that field. It would be, oh, you know, my my dad's friend's uncle was in mm-hmm. advertising in 1945. Why don't you talk to him about your interests? And it would be, yeah. you know, yeah. it would be good maybe, but very outdated stuff or very mm-hmm. irrelevant. But, and sometimes you'd be kind of like, oh, you know what? I had an idea of what it might be, but it's totally because end of the day, it's coming with bias, but it's also coming with a little bit of, you know, uh, their own kind of whether it's a perception that was influenced, you know, something went right or wrong. So it's, it's there's a lot of chance to how that information is coming across. But here it's a lot more unadulterated, depending on where you get yeah. it. Yeah, and I think we also have to be careful too as adults getting down on this on the generation or the young people because we contributed to it. The things that we're complaining about we in young people, it, yeah. like... <laughs> We, we allowed for it. Yeah. We built the systems that created it. We get upset that they're not learning valuable information in school, but we're adults are the ones that set up the school system and have mm-hmm. allowed a broken system to continue. And then you, yeah. then they get upset with what they what come the product that comes out of that system. So you built yeah. the factory, and now you're upset with the with the product that's coming out of the factory. And instead of going and fixing the factory you're like getting mad at the product it's like mm. what are you doing like your system was is broken and so go back and take the time to fix it and they don't want to do that they just don't i mean i i used to be a school teacher a public school teacher and i advocated for change and i would speak at those hearings those senate hearings and they would turn off my mic and it didn't matter because i have a loud voice anyway and i would keep talking but mm. even in that you know statement of using my voice and and trying to be heard i wasn't they didn't care they still move things forward because you find out that the people that are uh, the elected officials have been bought by the unions and by people and so they're not going to go put the kid first like there's not and anybody who's claiming that they put kids first is lying because i don't see it i don't see it I mean, that's a general, that's a broad statement. So I, I can only imagine somebody would write in or like comment on your podcast and say, well, my fifth grade teacher cares about kids. And so she does. And you're right. There are those, but and as a whole, the system is broken and it's broken because adults have allowed it to be broken because they don't care enough about children. And you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's a bit not scary, but it's a bit sad to hear that but it's the truth you know like even you hear conversations now we're in a emerging sort of economy with a lot of money and a lot of people who want you know their children to get the best education so you have all these schools these international uh schools curriculums that are coming in from uh wherever they come from and, and but but it's it's still fundamentally you might say you know the 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 programs like, you know, typically the traditional programs in India were different. They were called the ICSE, the CBSE, the state board. Mm-hmm. But now, of course, you have the the A-levels program. Then you have the um, IG program, whatever they, they, they but which is which is good. Which And then, of course, you have the Montessori systems. You have all these new mm-hmm. things at a younger age. But the mindset is still broken. You know, it's still uh, the same. It's, this, it's, it's still the outcome-based appreciation of why kids go to school uh okay they might not go in uniform some of them might go oh they had yoga at 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 noon and they had you know they had a, a, a vegan salad for lunch but <laughs> it's mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying the, the the points that you measure the experience at school is very very um um uh, shallow you know uh the the 
the the time i mean and what you said is true because do we really care enough because yeah we might that that one teacher who changed your life or changed my life does exist and you might have been that teacher for many children Mm-hmm. But if the system is broke, what do you you're fighting an uphill battle, right? Because you can, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember having great teachers, but they still at the end of the class would say, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm glad we had this lovely discussion about maybe you know political science and a certain thing." But you know what? You have to do that homework and memorize that part because that's what's going to be tested in the exam, mm-hmm. and that's all they can do because the exam is so outdated. And even something like SATs, I mean. I, I hate standardized testing, but mm-hmm. you have to put a child through that if you want to get them to the next level. Because then you, your other option is homeschooling, right? And then you suddenly say, "Oh, you know what? Um, you're homeschooled for 18 years of your life, but wait, you need to get a job. How do you get a job to go through the system again, or something like that?" Right? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm I'm not opposed to homeschooling at all, and I think that there's actually been a really great. I mean, I don't know if rebirth is the right word, but a lot of people are upset with the current, I mean, the United States, the current education system, and even what happened during the pandemic Mm. and how kids were treated during that and how schools closed down and didn't support children. And then when they reopened, you know, what a beautiful time to have come back and done things better. I really hoped that, like, I thought, wow, could this be something where this, you know, this horrible thing happens where the schools are shut down, but it gives them time to actually come back better and stronger and in a in a more present day version of education that is beneficial to our society today versus the archaic way. That didn't happen mm-hmm. for the most part. I know there's an exception to everyone, to every rule. And I'm I would be happy to hear from a listener about a great school that did that or a great teacher. Please, like I say that sincerely, like let me know who they are. I do write on the Today Show and I do write a Forbes column and I I want to write about people that are doing wonderful things in education that are innovative and exciting. And so if you know those people, send them my way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's because- just not, that's not the norm. The norm was we came back, we opened up the schools and we didn't meet the needs of the kids. And that's why you see them socially stunted. And that's why you see them behind in their learning and development and in their emotional intelligence. And so that's a problem. And so you see adults go, hmm, the school system isn't doing what it's supposed to do for my kids. I'm going to look at this homeschooling option. And so there's a lot of people that have decided to take that route. And that means some really innovative programming and homeschooling is coming out versus maybe what people kind of think homeschooling is from like the olden days type of thing. It's there's really some really interesting um curriculums and communities that are coming out of this desire for parents to want better for their kids and deciding if they're not going to give it to me, then I'm going to do it myself. Also Mm -hmm. like taking away school choice is ridiculous in my opinion. And so if you're going to take away all these choices, then the the parents are going to leave and they should. The, The hard thing there though, is that's where you start seeing an issue with like, socioeconomics, right? Because I'm sure there's people who wish they could homeschool their kid, but they need to go to work and they got to pay the rent and they got to get food on the table or they got to pay the mortgage or they got to do something. And there isn't the, and I don't want to, I want to be careful how I say this, but there isn't that maybe luxury or option for a parent to be a home, to be homeschooling, you know, especially if like you're in a single parent household, although maybe now, now there's more communities that support in that way. But it's tough. Um, and but I'm grateful that there's so many parents that are have decided that they are going to do better for their kids, or they're going to push back in the schools and they're going to start showing up to the school board meetings and say like, "This is unacceptable. We want this. We want that." I mean, that's where the change is going to happen when the parents really use their voices. And I love seeing parents do that. Yeah, because you know, and also. <clears throat> You know, I have, uh, my daughter's going to turn one tomorrow. Um, Happy birthday. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just, uh, I know she's many years away from school, mm-hmm. but I'm already that parent, you know, but I don't want to be that parent, you know, who's yes, the teacher's nightmare. Parent, yes, we you all know? know what you mean to say <laughs> it that way. Yeah, that the, the teachers are like, oh God, here he comes. <laughs> the, the crazed, the maniacal tone. Um, <laughs> but... There's this thing that bothers me, which I want to sort of understand. Uh, and Because 
you know, one thing is homeschooling, right? Like, and and I I encourage the idea in my head. You know, I have this thing of oh, me mm. being this amazing home teach home uh, home uh, homeschool person, and my child comes out well rounded. But just the idea, like, where do you start, right? Where what what can I Thing because then mm-hmm. again you don't want to go down to the same textbooks that the schools are teaching or the same right. thing that you were taught right okay today we're going to do maths tables like memorize two times two two times two twelve mm-hmm. times twelve or whatever or then let's just do cursive writing and then again become the problem that you're trying to get the kid away from um, yeah so th- that's interesting some, when you yeah. said the cursive writing yeah. you know they're not teaching cursive and so now young people can't read the cons like the original documents of this of this country because they don't know how to read cursive. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. even know so that was a relevant point because it's a cursive because it is a nightmare for me because of my uh, eyesight. I couldn't connect the things, the C's and the mm-hmm. A's. I didn't know which part to connect it from. So I was horrible. But isn't that interesting that people like when you don't teach something, they can't read the original documents now. That, and because so, they were saying, well, we don't, they don't need to know that because there's computers now and they're typing and that's, I'm like, but that, okay. All right. Interesting. So what a strange thing is that that document is the physical proof that that particular agreement is um, the reason why a country is formed. Now it of mm-hmm. course exists in the digital space and I'm not, I, I'm totally for digital, uh, digitalization of content because I can read it through screen readers, but it also can lead to scope for manipulation. Now, in 200 years, if the original documents mm-hmm. don't exist, someone can manipulate that document and the country that that document is created as a result out of can be changed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, gonna, the they're not going to know what that the word was changed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can't read the original word. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. So that's an interesting yeah. thing. I mean, I didn't enjoy teaching cursive in school. I used to be a teacher. I didn't enjoy that, nor did I enjoy learning it. Yeah. Although, you know, I mean, because I'd practice it over and over again. Uh, but I think it's important. So that little things like that, I mean, we look at... And it looked pretty. I remember, you know, as it, yeah, it does. some of these people with good cursive writing, I'm like, hmm, you know, you get those people to write your Valentine's cards, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no one asked me. <laughs> Mine looked like a death threat. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> That's funny. But uh, anyhow, I want to, um, yeah, because this 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 thing that uh, I said that bothers me, right, is um, this this idea of <laughs> looking at kids and constantly trying to make them better, like. Um, you know, kids, you know, I'm sure you've had these parent teacher meetings where you, you give this update, if you don't call it a report on the child. And yeah, you know, she's, she's, she's enjoying class. She likes listening. She's mm-hmm. friendly. She's, um, and you give a bunch of updates, which are positive or which are, which, which are accurate. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that the parents are like, but why isn't she doing better at math? Or why isn't she more engaged mm-hmm. in science? So what, 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 why are we like that? <laughs> I don't <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I do wonder that because I've done that. Those would be like the parent teacher conferences. And when I was teaching elementary school, I would have the student there and I would have the student lead the conference. And okay, okay. I would have the student talk about the areas that they were doing well in and the areas that they were going to improve on and provide a plan for how they were going to improve on that. Mm-hmm. And when a child does that, it uh, what's the parent going to do with that? It, they'll talk – if the child was – although I was going to say if a child's not there, they'll talk differently. And that is true. Like they would sometimes be like, why isn't she doing this? But I, I've, I've actually had parent conferences when a parent started talking negatively, negatively about their child in front of them. So I had to um, get involved in that because that's unacceptable, um, yeah. that just berating a child in that way. but. What the goal of the reason that I host had the meetings ran that way was because I thought it was really important for a parent to see a child celebrate where they were doing well, acknowledge where there needed to be improvement, and then present like three steps that they were going to do to do it better. Because what a wonderful thing for someone, a human being to learn how to do. Then you're that's what that's takes away the conversation the typical conversation of teacher parent that's like, well, why aren't they doing better in math? And what are they, what should we be doing at home? And like, put that on their child to, to reflect in a positive way of like, wait, I can have control over this. Like 
And and we I would talk to kids like, you don't have to love math. I'm not asking you to love it. I'm not asking you to love science. I'm not saying it has to be your favorite subject, but there's certain things that you need to do. And that's just what it is. And that's in life in general. I mean, all of us, you know, I've created a job that I love and there's things about my job I don't like. Yeah. Now, what am I going to do? Throw a tantrum and like not do it? I mean, I don't want to raise kids or raise kids in my school, my classroom that think that just because they don't like something, they don't have to do it. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's not life. Yeah. Or I want them to learn that like sometimes things are hard and sometimes you have to dig deeper and that's how you build grit and like a little bit more resilience. So um, I don't mind the conversation about how to be better. Yeah. I just don't believe in a conversation around like berating somebody or trying to get somebody to be quote perfect because that's impossible mm. and or even normal right there's no such thing yeah and i and i i i just also don't agree with parents who speak to their child in a way that they didn't like being spoken to when they were a kid because mm. a lot of the stuff that i see is just parents projecting onto their child their trauma <laughs> or yeah, their yeah. stuff that like that's how maybe they were talked to or maybe they came from a home of quote tough love. And so now they want to do that. And there's a time and place for everything, but I've just never seen anybody get better by being bullied into being better. That just, I've never seen that work out where someone just berated somebody so much that all of a sudden they became a better person or a better student. Right. I've never seen that work. Yeah. I think, you know, passing on what either we overcompensate and then just, or mm-hmm. we just kind of repeat that behavior. But you know, so so just to give you a context of where we are in India is that we are a country that adores academic, um, mm-hmm. academic achievement, right? Uh, because by not having, uh, because there's a big problem of illiteracy in our country, and that's a fact, right? And in many cases, for a girl child or even a, an underprivileged child to get out of that trap, uh, is the, the 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 route is seen as education. Now, of course, it may be. Uh, valid it may help and it might be right for a few children but Mm -hmm. under the guise of that there's so many kids who are just going to a building called a school and learning absolutely nothing so they might get a you know they might they might finish the 10th or the 9th or the 11th but they know nothing or next to nothing but then you have this one person who tops the rank in the state board and they hold are held up as wow this this kid did but in reality breaking the trap because you see people in the, the cities or uh, you, you have people who are, you know, workers who work at home staff or they're, they're, they're carpenters. And I mean, anyway, so the professions are, there are certain professions which are valued, right? Whether it's engineer, whether it's doctor, mm-hmm. whether it's lawyer, whether it's certain kinds of that, that particular title that is appreciated. Uh, but things like plumber, things like carpenter, things like driver, they're seen as, I wouldn't just say blue collar, I would see as these are mean jobs that don't deserve respect. Um so as a result, even in the education system for the underprivileged child or the child or the girl child, it's only certain jobs if they, but which if they don't get are not seen as uh, worth taking. So what it creates is a dis- disparity in society, right, where mm-hmm. they're not able to ba- break that trap because they can't get the jobs that are seen as oh, chartered accountant. Or, so mm-hmm. the education system teaches them uh, next to nothing about uh, valuing their skills, but it's this inherent desperation that if I don't get that I'm nobody right I'm of course I'm, I'm, I'm glossing over a lot of details which mm-hmm. maybe a lot of people are horrified right now how can you portray India in this light and I'm not I'm not portraying any light I'm just telling you from what my opinions are mm-hmm. but what I want to ask you and there's a reason I went about this circuitous route to come to come to this point is how do you the two things now can you envision a, a future where when Someone says, I don't have an undergraduate degree. I don't have a master's degree. But they're still valued um, because of what they've done. And secondly, how do you introduce a system? Because you are doing this through your uh, program, whatever it takes, giving teenagers, um, empowering teenagers to pursue their ideas. So so how do you, in, or how would you approach, like in, in India where you have people who don't have the resources, you have people who are, of course, set back by, virtue of where where they were born or to whom they were born to. Um, h- how do you tell these people you might not have a degree, you might not have a bachelor's in arts or science, but you can develop skills 
and still be valued, still be respected, and still make a life for yourself. I don't know if I made well, any sense. Well, I think, think, of course, I can, I can imagine a world where people are valued if they don't have an undergraduate degree because they already are. I mean, while I don't think Mark Zuckerberg is any hero in my mind or anybody who I would aspire to be like or want any of my kids to be like, mm. I don't believe he graduated college. I think he dropped out. I think there's plenty of people that are supposed that are successful in quotes, entrepreneurs and multimillionaires or even billionaires that didn't go to college. So, and they're already people value them and they listen to them and they give them their money and they are fine with how they're running, running things. So that's already happening. It's just not happening around in everywhere. Hmm. Right. So we already have proof that people will value you if you don't have an education that's typical, but as long as you go off and you make a lot of money. So yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. big, that's a big component to it, right? Like you got, if you make millions of dollars who can push back on you and say, but you didn't get a degree. It always comes uh, out there, right? Like the Bill Gates and the Elon Musk's like, Oh, you know, they, I was, a, I was a crappy student or I didn't, I didn't graduate, but and then they all they all get an applause on on, on the talk show because wow. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, it's yeah. and or they get some you know uh, honorary degree from something like whatever. I mean, there's yeah. always that's always going to exist, and so fine. Yeah, but I think there is there is a couple there are a couple things. I think that we do we should do a better job on valuing the trades, like having you know teaching like having trade schools and things like that. I mean. Mm-hmm. Plumbers make a lot of money in the United States, like in certain places. Like I have a friend who's, who's um, ex-husband ran a big plumbing company and like did very, very well for himself and has a beautiful home on the beach. So, I mean, I don't, I, that's people might go, oh, but he's a plumber. I mean, whatever. I don't, that's like, that's other people's stuff, right? That's other people's judgments and opinions on things like that. But, but that's also the United just to States. add to that, uh, Sarah, sorry for interrupting. Is what we don't get, and I'm saying this here in India, to take what you said in context to in India, if you don't have good plumbing, you can have the, the, the best sort of resort, but if you have clogged plumbing or bad plumbing, it's going to destroy everything you've built. And that's what people don't appreciate, right? People look at that. Now there's a thing in Goa, which is mm-hmm. a, a state in uh, on the Western coast, and everyone's flocking there because like, we can work hybrid models, sit on the beach, sit on the shack, be on our computer. It's got the worst plumbing. It smells of sewage everywhere. So people don't appreciate the value. So just, sorry, just this too. Yeah. No, it's true. Like So these these are things that matter. I mean, mm. and they, I was even on a walk with my neighbor the other day, and she was talking about just like auto mechanics, like how in a certain part of town, like they, people are making a lot of money because they're really hard to find people that yeah. have like the training. And so that's just at, at some point, but I can only speak to the United States. I can't speak to other countries. Of course. Yeah. That's why I interrupted just to have, give you an like, Indian. Just different, like yeah. even class systems and things like that, that are layered, you know, but in the United States, I think that people still turn their nose up at certain jobs for sure. Mm. Um, but then if they find out that you make a lot of money or you have a certain type of car or you live in a certain zip code, mm. all of a sudden they're like, hmm, maybe, maybe I'm willing to give that some consideration. So that that for sure happens. And this idea though of like thinking that we have to wait around though for people to approve of us is that's a whole other layer of conversation, right? Because that's just not a valuable use of our time. If if we're sitting around waiting to get societal approval of how we've chosen to live our life or provide for our families or use our different gifts and talents, I don't think that's a good use of our short time on this planet, but that's a hard thing to learn that level of like self-acceptance or self-value and self-worth that's not connected to societal, typical societal standards and expectations. That's, but, and I also want to say, even in the United States, I do see in some ways a really important role of education in some families where you get people mm-hmm. where the where someone's going to be the first person of their family to go to a go to a university or graduate yeah, from yeah. college. Like I, I work with a lot of first gen kids and I respect that journey and I really appreciate why those parents when I will have a conversation with them, like, well, you know, I mean, he doesn't have to, he's already got this skill or he can go do that. And they're like, no, he is going to college and he's graduating. He's the first one. Like we've sacrificed this. We've sacrificed that. Mm. He's going. And that's a different kind I of symbolism. Really, yeah. I can't, I can't push back on that. I mean, I can push back on that, but I, I can't, 
that's not my story. That wasn't my experience. And so if somebody values that and knows that things or believes very strongly that things will be better for their child, that's their version of being a great parent. Now I do know that there is a big burden. I mean, that's, as I said, I work with first gen kids. They feel a lot of pressure to then also get the right job that will then be able to support the family, not just them. Now that's like, okay, they're going to college for the family. Their job is for the family. You know, (laughs) that's it. They're the first one. They're the example. That's a lot of pressure. Maybe it's a great way to feel um, a sense of honor and pride in your family. I don't know. That wasn't my experience, but Mm. uh, I think that educate like you know pursuing higher ed is important for some people for sure but i do think as we go along in like 20 years from now it'll be a different story i think that people i don't know if people are going to value that degree as much Mm. um just because i don't really know if colleges are earning that high six-figure um tuition i mean are they really earning that? Are yeah. the, is it worth that when you graduate in four years? Have you really received a, a fair amount? Like, has the exchange been been equal and fair? You paid this much money a year, 50K a year. Did you really get 50K worth of education and, and experiences and opportunities? Was it worth it? I think that's going to be it's going to be examined to explore. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a strange thing, right? I'm not even saying, and you, what you made a valid point, like there are, there are a lot of children uh, entering college, universities, the first in their family, and that's a big thing in India as well, which is happening. But then you have the run of the mill, right? Like everyone has to get, oh, it's just, you, okay, you get your, you finish your 12th, uh, that's your high school, then you get into, the, here the 12th is also considered as college, the 11th and 12th, so then they go for uh, the bachelors, then they get a master, then they get they have to get an MBA. Once they get the MBA, like I've arrived, and they have uh, they just join an IT job. And I'm not, but the point is, this learning is not at all appreciated. It's just until you reach that finish line, whatever it takes, then you get these things where you display on your resume. You know, just you get these abbreviations that you can put on a piece of paper. That's pretty much all these things are. But mm-hmm. if you can actually value like, you know, in your workshop in engineering, how to build, and there are a few people and I'm not undermining what they've done, but it's so important to like, I, I would love to, if I can build a chair or know how to fix stuff at home, because I didn't, because I didn't, um, I don't know whether it was not given enough, enough importance, but I, there is a beauty in trade and craft, right? But mm-hmm. when you, uh, let's get to this because this is the important part. And I, I sorry if I've taken long to get to it, but with whatever it takes, that's your initiative and your, your the way you run the projects is uh, when it comes to each child. How do you approach each project, each each child's dream or idea, or each teenager's thing? Because it's so vast, it's so unique, and each has potential that you know you have to identify. So what 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 is the uh, rationale behind whatever it takes and how do you execute your uh, the program? So for those that, that are listening that may not know, so it's WIT Whatever It Takes and it's a nonprofit organization and we work with tweens and teens around the world to help them design and launch social impact projects, businesses, nonprofits. Just it's a range because it depends on how long you stay in the program. So you might right. stay in the program for six months, or you might stay in the program for four years. And so you just get to continue to build on what you're doing or iterate your ideas, or you come in to wit and you take one of our classes, our programs, and you activate your entrepreneurial mindset. You get to uh, execute on an idea that you have, but you might realize "Eh, entrepreneurship isn't for me, but I've learned a lot about how to work hard and be brave and taking my, you know, turning my idea into reality. Mm. And I've learned how to do public speaking and I've learned some basic finance. So I'm good. And I'm going to go off and try other activities while I'm in high school. Mm. But then there's some teens that stay with us for years through high school because they want to keep building out these ideas that they have, these business ideas that they have or nonprofit ideas. And when it comes to, as we say, doing wit in quotes, so doing whatever it takes, the idea is turning something that you enjoy doing. So it's a really simple exercise. The listener can do this. Uh, Even if you already have a job, like just 
play around, play along with me. Uh, you know, you, the idea it would be to list three things that you enjoy doing and how we, how we present it to our teens is like three things that you enjoy doing that you wish you could do instead of homework. Like what's hmm. the thing that your parents have to say to you, stop and go do your homework. Let's and change homework with job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your job. Like if you didn't have to go to your job, like what yeah. would you be doing? And what's the thing that you like to come home and do or do on the weekends or do with your friends? And sometimes what will happen is a teen, you can tell, doesn't want to say the first answer because they think it's a bad answer. Mm. They think it's wrong because they think if they say playing video games or watching YouTube or playing basketball, that, we, that we'll say, well, that's stupid, right? Mm. But that's because they're so used to the system, right? That like it's going to tell them something's wrong. Yeah. Uh, and that's not how we work. So we just say, write it all down. Maybe you like to cook. Maybe you like to watch cooking videos. Maybe you like to, your grandmother teaches you how to sew on the weekends or on Sundays. And you really like that. Mm. So we have them write down three things that they enjoy doing. And then we have them write down three causes that they care about. Three things Mm. that if they were given, and we'll tell the kids, and this can even go for the listener, if you were given $1,000 and you could make a donation to an organization or an investment in an organization, but mostly let's go donation, Yeah. what would it be? Would it be to one? Would it be to two? Would it be to three? And you don't have to know the exact names, but it would sound like, well, I really care about dogs that Mm. are in kill shelters, or I really care about um, kids that are homeless, or I really care about this animal that's going extinct. So we just say like, write that down. Like, so you, you're basically just trying to identify things that you like causes that you care about and things that you enjoy doing. And then through our program, we help them marry one thing that they care about and one thing that they enjoy doing and turn it into a business that has a social impact. Mm. And that's looked like kids launching jewelry lines that then have a give back component to like, we've got one girl, her name's Ariella and she has a bracelet company called Lulu's Bracelets, and she gives 50% of her proceeds go to providing uh, young kids uh, emotional support therapy dogs to come to their to the hospital or to a children's center. And that's because her dogs bring her a lot of joy and help her a lot. And they sit with her sometimes when she's making her bracelets and she feels like kids should have that experience too, that maybe want to feel less alone and have a little animal with them. And so she makes her bracelets. She sells her bracelets online and in a store. And she's had to learn how to talk on TV about her company. She's had to learn how to make a budget, which was like, hard for her at first. She didn't quite understand that Mm. there was expenses when she had to buy her beads, like that they were going to cost money. And so there we, but the basic thing is it's like, you don't have to create something massive at wits. I mean, we're not about uh, something, you know, where someone would say like, we're going to, I'm going to create something that ends homelessness. We wouldn't believe that that's actually true because Mm. it's homelessness is layered. So we're really big about helping a young person create a very simple idea that can be easily executed because a lot of people, even adults never execute on their ideas because they've made them so complicated and they get just stuck in the, um, in the comp just how complicated they've made it. And so we try to teach young people how to kiss, keep it super simple. And of course they giggle when we say kiss because they're teenagers. <laughs> I, I almost did. Yeah. Yes. Everybody <laughs> does. And we say, keep it super simple. And we remind them, you go to school, you have homework, you want to hang out with your friends, you watch Netflix, you've got things going on. So create a business, create a side hustle, create a movement that you actually can work on and you can execute. And I say the same advice to adults too, who want to create a side hustle of any kind. And I know many other adults would have giggled when you said kiss as well. So it's not a problem. I know. <laughs> you know, the, the the beautiful part is it made me smile when I heard of her bracelet project because we've all had some similar, you know, ideas or these these, these interesting thoughts, but it was always shot down. They're like, oh, that's stupid. You know, it, it's not going to make you any money. And translated that to today's thing when someone is an entrepreneur or starting up in their 20s because startups is another big thing um, mm-hmm. in, in India and everyone's like, that's not going to be the next unicorn or that's not going to... So right, it's always the these... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what is interesting is from 
you know, for your uh, for for the for the girl who's making the bracelets, she enjoys it, and it's it's something mm-hmm. that is giving her the pleasure of uh, understanding. Okay, understanding budgeting, understanding supply, understanding demand. But imagine if you you're that person who did what I said, right? Who's done the entire ch- the entire chain of events that finally culminated in the MBA, and now they're going to have a startup pitch. And everything around them is, oh, are you in a Kickstarter program? Are you in an accelerator program? Are you in an incubator program? Uh, are you going to go on Shark Tank? Are you going to go five-minute elevator pitch to investors, to venture capital? It just seems so zero to thousand, right? Where the, uh, if it's a small idea, it's like when you're going to get your funding. Because my wife has a startup and uh, I overhear the way she talks about it. Unfortunately, she's got backing like, you know, her the support like her the way her dad advises her advises her very very healthy right like the way he talks about it it's not about because she enjoys it but that's one in a million because everyone else has to go to these big meets and get all mm-hmm. these intimidating uh terms thrown at them or these things and it, mm-hmm. it's it's just such a daunting task but if it was done the way you said to for this girl like she's come into this 20s with 10 businesses which have already succeeded in their own mm-hmm. way right Mm-hmm. That's and that's amazing. really important. Yeah, we want them to just have the experiences, and we want them to fail. We want them to struggle, and they will, but they do it in a in a way that there's not a whole lot at stake. I mean, it's much easier to take risks at 12 years old, 14 years old, than at 40 and 50 mm. when you have a mortgage or kids and or a partner that's saying, "Well, if you do that, like, how's that going to impact our savings?" And when we teach them young and we give them access to opportunities like this. It helps them develop uh, lifelong skills, a lifelong skill set. That's why I say these things can easily be taught in school. They can yeah. easily be incorporated into the school system until they are. I mean, wit will exist, but ideally, wit goes out of business because schools will just develop and incorporate entrepreneurial education, entrepreneurial mindset into their um, everyday school programs. And then you'll have the CEO of the school who gets the most money. And then every parent's like, I want my child to be the CEO of the school. (laughs) Well, we do talk about that, right? You know, we we try to teach our young people that you do have skills, you have a skill set and, and lead leadership can look different for you. I mean, it's not every leader isn't an extrovert. There are leaders that are introverts, not every leader wants to be on TV. Some don't lead in that way. And we just want to show them because something that we do at WIT is every week we bring in a different CEO, entrepreneur, celebrity, influencer mm-hmm. on our Zoom. And we call it a WIT hangout. And they talk to our kids about their experience. I interview them and then the kids oh, get a chance to chat with them. And it's really helpful because they get to see and hear different types of leadership for different types of companies and realize, you know, oh, that could be me, or I wouldn't want to do that, or that's interesting. So that we're not just giving them one version of what leadership is. You know, mm. I'm I joke with my my friend group, you know, I don't like that language like girl boss or mm. I don't, whatever that is. I don't that's yes. not me. I don't like that kind of stuff where it's like I I don't know why we use that kind of language or this like it's almost like cultish this like yeah. thing. And yeah. And then a girl thinks, well, that's what I got to be. I got to be a girl boss. And it's like, no, I, you know, yeah. you can just be a woman who leads and, and makes the world a better place in your own way. It could be, you could be a wonderful leader in your home. You could be a wonderful leader at school, uh, maybe in a business, but uh, boss babe type stuff. Or well, Yeah, and it, like that comes with that language. power suit and wearing these yeah. clothes. And I'm like, yeah, it just, it's I mean, so. it's fine not, if that, yeah. if that's, if it's a. Authentic for you. If anything is authentic for you, I say go for it. That's why we. Yeah, but bring it narrows in. it down for a lot of people, right? Because they might mm-hmm. want to just chill. And leading doesn't have to be aggressive. I think many people think right. it has to. You know. I agree. I think that's and for both men and women, yeah. it can you know it doesn't have to be a certain like they're yelling in your face in thirty second videos on Instagram, mm. telling you to get at four, telling you to get up at four a.m. and jump into a cold plunge. You know, I mean. Yeah. I think that that can be valuable to get up early for sure. Yeah. I think it's, I think cold plunges and cold showers are good. I mean, they've helped me. I think that they're, that's, that's helpful, but this whole thing, like you have to live a certain way and, and do a level of like burnout because that means that you're a great leader. If you're burning <laughs> at, like, if you're just like I, I, the hustle culture, it's not healthy. 
So we don't teach that to our young people. And the people are burning out, like the ones who are these so-called leaders are dropping in their 40s and 50s. So clearly yep, they're doing they the sure right. they sure are. Yeah, so making some space I for mean, us. <laughs> yeah, well, like, I just, that's not good, right? Like, that's not good, yeah. I mean, that's sorry not what, joke, we, what we want young people. But like, you know, it's like when young people are looking up to that, I'm like, no, don't look up to that. Like, that's don't, not yeah. a good look. You know, it's it's wonderful to, um, to love your partner when you're older. And maybe if you want to have a family, have a family. And- if you want to have a business that still allows you to have time with your family, that's great too. Like, yeah, where are where are our priorities as a society, and are they are they? Yeah, we are things like for a kid growing up now, looking at the way the pattern of people who are falling ill and getting all these heart related diseases, and you look at them as these CEOs or these CFOs, and next thing they grow up thinking, oh, what's the most dangerous place for a CEO? Oh, the treadmill. I shouldn't go there. <laughs> and you know you'd you'd find this surprising like in in uh, not surprising maybe it's a fact but uh, in america as well but in bangalore where i live a lot of the schools now are either being started or being bought over by real estate companies because that's a place to siphon off black money and convert that into legal taxable money Mm. wow so can you imagine that's a whole other podcast exactly Imagine that system. Of course, again, I don't make a blanket statement saying all schools, mm-hmm. but if they don't really, uh, are, if they're not directly owned by them, they're getting funding from them or there's some connection there. And imagine that kind of industry having control over education. Yeah. I mean, I there are people that are controlling our education system here in the States and yeah. um, it's not good. Mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that... Uh, you know, I, I think we, we definitely should talk about this on another episode because I think there are a lot of things that are changing and I want to know more about that. But I think whatever it takes is something that is so cool. And just me now sitting, I'm 40 and I'm like, I wish I had that because, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of, you kind of, a lot of the stuff that you are eager to kind of express, even in, you know, your early 20s or um, even now people in their 60s are, are kind of, you know they're kind of quashed because they're like that's stupid you can't do that as a man or that's not going to get you anywhere or that's not respectable and um like i'll give you an example before we wind up like my cousin her son's uh 18 17 18 and they live in switzerland and in switzerland you have the option of either going to university or taking a vocational route that's where you basically apprentice with someone in Mm -hmm. the field you've chosen and then you get to do I think one or two days in the week, you get to go to the the, the, the the theoretical, the technical school and learn more about that trade. And the moment he decided to do the vocational part, everyone's like, but where will you be? It's so limiting. In 15 years, you'll still be that person. I'm like, and in my head going, take a step back. What is actually wrong with that? Mm-hmm. And what you're, what, and I'm not saying what you're doing is that, but I think to, 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 to appreciate each story for what it is, each human experience for what Mm -hmm. it is is something we're forgetting to do because we want to create this collective of people that all resemble each other and who are vying for this position of ceo or manager or managing director or the same 10 positions which are never going to be enough right Mm -hmm. yeah and i think we are trying to create well we're perpetuating a lie to our young people saying that if you do x y and z you're going to have a great life it's not Mm -hmm. true is that if you get you know a perfect score in your SATs and you get into that dream school okay doesn't give you that you don't get like a pass on life and the hardships of life just because you somehow got into that you got you know these certain things you can check off your list like got into the best school got the best internship got the thing I mean I've worked with kids that have checked those boxes and I've sat with them over coffee and they're miserable and the reason like that they're that, miserable yeah. is because they're so confused why they're not happy because mm. they said, I did the thing. I did the thing that my parents told me. I did the thing that my prep school told me to do. I got into the school. I got the job. I got the internship. I I made this you know, certain salary and I'm not happy. And then I just look at them and I go, welcome to the real work, right? <laughs> like, Because the real work is the is the realization that those things aren't what make you happy, that you've got to learn to be somebody that you want to be around, that you like, that you're living a life on your terms. 
It's not easy to do. Very few people do it, you know, do that kind of work. A lot of people are just going through life, um, doing what they think they're supposed to do and numbing out with different things. And so I do know that as adults, we can do better and we should do better by kids and reminding them that life is not, that life is not linear. There's lots of twists and turns and there's lots of setbacks and there's lots of things that aren't going to go your way. And you can be as good as you possibly can. And you're still not going to be spared heartbreak and heartache and, you know, being let go from your job. Yeah. And if you don't know cursive writing, you're not going to get a Valentine date. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because so many kids are told that goal that, that that you have to, and they had the eye on the goal for so long, they forget to look at themselves and see what they look like, you know, which is so sad. Yeah, but that's, but parents and adults aren't inviting that. Yeah. We talk to our kids, like we have kids, especially our kids from India, I'm just saying, hmm. they'll say like, I got an A minus and my parents were like, why didn't you get an A? Yeah. And that's a real thing. And we had one of my kids, one of my WIT graduates come, he's Indian. He came back to WIT to speak. And there were a lot of Indian kids on the call on the hangout. Yeah. And he just said, and he didn't go to college. And he's like, yeah, and all of you on here, like, you know, that's a big deal in, in our families. And they're like, yeah, oh my God, how did you like, what did your mom and dad say? Yeah. Well, now he's gone on to be very successful monetarily and successful in terms of he's a happy, content person in the work that he's chosen to do. But he did, that was a big deal for him to not, he went to a private prep school, high school, and he did not go to college. And mm. um, so there's also like a lot of adults are perpetuating the lie to the kids that you've got to do something. It's also because they don't know another way because they didn't do it another way either. And if you really, if you were to ask them, well, are you truly happy? No. I think you'd be surprised by some of the answers that the adults would give. And they're not, you know, and that's the thing. Like I have so many uh, people in my family who've moved to America. They went for their masters and then they got that job. They lived that so-called quote unquote Mm -hmm. American dream and they live in the suburbs. They got a big house. So their kids obviously had this pressure of going to these top schools, right? Whether it was private school or public school, but then they went to these area codes where the schools accordingly were good. And then they put them in these programs. In fact, their undergraduate was already programs already decided they got into maybe Ivy League or they got into the universities. And now many of them are scratching their heads, the, the, the family members and their kids going, hmm, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, what's well, happening? We should, everybody scratches their head at some point. We all yeah. should. That's that's life and being alive. And and we should always be reevaluating, you know, and, and assessing if, if the choices that we're making today are the choices that are leading us to like the life that we want to live tomorrow. You know, I mean, that's, I think it's an important thing to be doing. Yeah. And I'm so glad that people like you are running programs and organizations uh, helping, you know, the future generations and young adults and young, young people to, I think, just live life and enjoy uh, their experience as human beings and uh, doing whatever it takes. Thank you, Sarah. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. And do stay in touch and good luck with everything coming along your way. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.